What's up, ladies and gentlemen? April 15th edition of the Fight Club MMA podcast. We are coming to you live right after the UFC Kansas show. Uh, and right before we came on the air, Sean Rossap and I said hello. Oop, give me one second here, my man. I just got feedback. I don't know if you heard that, Sean. I apologize. Uh, but yes, Sean Rossap is my guest. Sean, what's going on, brother? As Rihanna says, this is what you came for, Joe. <laughs> this, as I was trying to say, it was before I got some feedback in my ear, I just corrected it, by the way. This was a UFC event. Finally. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, who are tuning in right now. Um, we're going to have the live chat open. It is open right now, by the way, if you want to put up your comments. Uh, Brandon Hughes is already there. Mighty Mouse the GOAT. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, but give us a follow at Fightful MMA. I always say tell a friend. Tell a friend right now that you're watching this podcast, and they will join us. They can come on the live chat, and we'll take it from there. You follow my uh, my co-host, Sean Rossap, at Sean Rossap. Yours truly, Joe Ferrar. You can find me on social media at showdown joe and one of the reasons sean is, is we always joke or at least i always joke about a ufc event is you know sometimes i'm late I've, you know for example today i had a kid's birthday party for my son uh one of his classmates had a birthday party uh, I, I missed the the early prelims and i was like it's gonna be one of those nights please don't let it be one of those nights where i have to catch up and every single fight is a boring 15 minute uh decision uh this one no this one was absolutely fantastic tons to talk about uh i don't know where you want to start but we just ended right now uh, moments ago with Demetrius Johnson uh, and, of course, Brandon Hughes, like I said in the live chat, saying Money Mouse is the GOAT. I mean, if there was ever, uh, and I and I WhatsApped you before we came on the air, if there was ever a Sean Ross Sapp slash Money Mouse FU performance, this was another one. You said it was uh, when, he, when he fought Henry Cejudo. That was an FU performance. This was another FU performance by Demetrius Money Mouse Johnson submitting Wilson Hayes. What more can you ask for out of a UFC show? This had like it had good heavyweight action, it had great women's action, it had upsets, it had prospects, it had history in the making, it had good striking performances, it had exciting grappling performances, it had a hot crowd. The crowd was great. Uh, you better believe UFC is going back to Kansas City after this one. This was yeah, wonderful. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, and uh, sorry, go ahead. What Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson was able to do. I mean, I said it the other night. Your boy had the picks just one after the other. I said, I think he's going to tap him out. I think he's going to prove a point to the rest of this division. And uh, the black belt, Wilson Hayes, no respect. None. At some point, Demetrius Johnson just got bored and took down Wilson Hayes just to see what was up. Just to see, just to do the Cejudo thing. Okay, I want to see what it feels like on the ground with this guy that they call an anvil from on top. Oh, well, you're not that much of an anvil when you're getting armbarred and punched and elbowed in the face. And Wilson Hayes is legit, man. I got a lot of respect for Wilson Hayes for fighting Sasaki instead of just waiting it out. And then taking a title fight eight weeks later, I got a lot of respect for Wilson Hayes doing that. This guy is a a Bellator, like ESPN Deportes Bellator original. Like this guy is, I've been watching this guy uh, from way back. And it's like, I don't know what I can say about Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson outside of he is the best fighter I have ever seen. Now, are there some people that have maybe more natural gifts like John Jones uh, and have like some other tools like Anderson Silva? Yeah, but... Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson is the best fighter I've ever seen. And I think a lot of that is because of his weight division, Joe. Do you see the way that he's able to implement knees into his combinations that a John Jones wouldn't be able to do against guys that that size? Like, not only is he an outstanding fighter, is he a great fighter, the best fighter I've ever seen, but for that weight class, he he and Matt Hume have just, psychologically broken down it, broken down everything he has no holes like the, your best shot at beating mighty mouse johnson is hoping that he blows a knee out and even then he might find a way to beat you yeah i, I mean th- this is a guy i think that no matter what considering the run that he's on no matter what injury he would sustain inside of a fight he would continue some way somehow uh, he'll go out on the shield i mean I, i've said it before i've said it for years this is in my opinion the perfect mixed martial artist. And and everything that you see with him, technically and just the way he flows from his shadow boxing uh, to when he competes, he's so perfect. Everything he does 
is just uh, to use one of your wrestling analogies and Brett the Hitman Hart. He is excellence of execution. Was that the line he used to use? Yeah. All right. Okay. So I got I, I got my and first uh, pro wrestling very reference fitting here as well. Yeah, I mean the guy is magic. He's absolutely fantastic. And, and the one thing that you know on, on a personal thing when it comes to to Demetrius Money Mouse Johnson fights is sometimes you know whether it's you or a friend of mine that's not with me or other friends whatever or even on on social media uh, with Twitter and Facebook. I'll try and type as, as the action's going on. You can't do that with Mighty Mouse because there's so many things that happen that he's doing. And uh, the one thing I want to try and get to you before it actually happened, before the beginning of the end happened, and for those that used to watch my TV show, I always had a segment called The Beginning of the End where I would highlight before the end of the fight, here's where it actually started. And with Demetrius, you finally, with Demetrius versus Wilson, you finally started seeing a little bit of Wilson starting to slow down. And as he slowed down, you could see a, a switch within Demetrius where he took it to that next gear. It's like he's not in fifth gear. He's fighting in fourth gear. He's making it fast. He's reacting fast. But as soon as he senses that that fighter, that opponent is slowing down, he then amps it up, and as he amped it up, as soon as, as Wilson began to slow down, and it was from those body kicks. Those body kicks were, were monstrous, as well as those right hands. He was sneaking in those uppercuts from terrible angles. I think at one point, he, he almost jumped on Wilson's back, and he still threw a right high kick. I mean, the guy's ridiculous, <laughs> but what you saw there was the minute Wilson began to slow down, you saw the gear switch with uh, Demetrius Johnson, and next thing you know, he's like, yeah, you know what? Now we're going to the ground. Now I'm in your head. Now we're going to go to the ground, and I'm going to pound you. I'm going to pound you. I'm going to pound you. And the minute you switch the wrong way and you lift that elbow up to try and defend or push me off, I'm taking that arm bar, and I'm submitting you. And my goodness, that was just just magic. I could watch that fight over and over again. He's just, just such a magical fighter. Like things like throwing a head kick when you've got somebody like <laughs> basically in a waist lock. That is unbelievable. The things that he was doing, like he just got bored. He just got bored. And this this is a guy who hasn't lost since he trained full time. When he fought Dominic Cruz, a weight class up, he wasn't training full time. It was after that fight, Matt Hume said, are you going to take this seriously or not? And he said, okay, yeah, I will then. And, uh, you know, I, I'm glad he said what he did after the fight when they said, are you going to bump up to 135? Because the question happens all the time. Why should he have to bump up to 135? Why, why is that on him? That's on whoever wants to make – he's the king, not somebody else. He is the king. He's the one that made history. If he wants to go to 135, then sure he can. But, like, I don't think it, the pressure should be on him. Now, like he said, if Dana White wants to pay him seven figures, sure, why not? Uh, the fact that he's not getting seven figures anyway, even for this, kind of weird. Um, Very weird. Did you find it weird how he also thanked his sponsors? I was like, damn, yes, Demetrius. He should have. Oh. He damn well should have. Because, I mean, they're – hey, they're, they, they've stayed with him throughout the, uh, throughout the Reebok thing. So good for him. I'm very impressed. I'm very impressed with Demetrius. Uh, I, I, it's, listen, it's ballsy. I know he's a champ, but the fact that he, he thanked his sponsors on Fox, uh, which has always been a, a Fox or even on pay-per-view, it's almost a no-go. Like, I mean, a lot of the UFC fighters are not allowed to say anything. He's like, damn it. You know, I want my, I, mean, I want my seven figures, which he definitely deserves, but good on him. I mean, just an absolutely fantastic performance. Now, in terms of what could be next for him, uh, you know, good on Brian Stan asking, uh, does he want to fight the winner? Um, you know, of Cody Garbrandt and TJ Dillashaw, and he never really replied to that per se. And now you're saying that, you know, he's the king. They need to come down to him. And, and I believe Cody Garbrandt did say, you know what, I can cut down to 125. If that's the case, Money Mouse is like, damn right, you're coming down here. E not easier for him, but easier per se that, you know, that champ has to drop another 10 pounds. That seven figures can definitely happen if he moves up to, to for that you know, quote-unquote fun fight or that prize fight. Uh in the wings, on the horizon, there's a special fight between Sergio Pettis and Henry Cejudo, uh, which I believe will be the, uh, you know, if especially Sergio Pettis wins, that's the guy that could be next for Demetrius Johnson, not necessarily the winner of Cody Garbrandt and TJ Dillashaw. What say you? I think that was a dumb booking because Cejudo could win that fight. And now Cejudo's uh, striking greatly improved in the Benavidez fight. And, you know, that. Say what you will about how that one ended, but 
ultimately it's an L in the record. It's an L in the record books. And Sergio Pettis is riding a hot streak. Now maybe he wins. He could win. And uh, that is one hell of a show, by the way, UFC 211. That is just unbelievable. It's an unbelievable show. But I probably just would have given Sergio Pettis the, the title shot right off. I wouldn't have had him fight. I would have just had him waited out because why not? You got Ray Borg, who's the only person that's beaten him is Justin Scoggins, and Justin Scoggins ain't make him wait anymore. So uh, that one you can pretty much erase from the record. Tim Elliott looked good, but he's got some work to do to get back there. They want to give Formiga a title shot, but the man can't win enough fights in a row to do it. Uh, Joseph Benavidez, can you really do it? You can't. I, I don't think you can. I don't At think you can either. Nope. I think it's too tough to do that. If Ian McCall could get in the cage, one fight, and they could justify giving him a title shot just because of the draw that he had with Mighty Mouse before, you could, uh, you could make reason of that in this division. Fortunately, there, there, were, some, there were some guys that were able to develop, but um, <laughs> Luis Smoke ain't getting back to the top anytime soon. We'll talk about that later. Uh, which you think, you know what's funny? Ever since he made those comments about Sergio Pettis' hurt vagina, he's 0 3. Karma. 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 That's karma right there. He's probably gone. So, uh, Mighty Mouse, like a lot of this hinges on the Cejudo Pettis fight. And if you're the UFC, like I said about the Whitaker Jacare fight, you want Pettis to win that fight. You really 100%. want Pettis to win that fight because you might be able, might be able to put that on a pay per view. Might. Just because it's Mighty Mouse and the name Pettis up there, so absolutely. Yeah. Now we did. Uh, I mentioned the whole sponsorship thing about uh, you know Mighty Mouse getting on the mic and, and, and thanking his sponsors, Brandon Hughes in the live chat. Mighty Mouse digging holes and taking souls. Oh God, I like it. What do you mean, oh God? You don't like it? Undertaker line. All right, I still like it. I like it. Brandon Hughes, thumbs up. Uh, Vinny Fernando's on there as well, my boy. Uh, I beat you to it. I already mentioned Pettis Cejudo. Uh, but Vinny and I were going back and forth back and forth on, on Twitter as well. Good guy. Um, guys, don't forget, live yeah. chat. Throw it up there. Uh, put up your thoughts, questions. Uh, we'll get to them uh, as we move along here. We have a lot of viewers on right now, uh, so I'll do my best uh, to get out there or to get to read them uh, and talk about them. Um, so let, me ask you before we, let me ask you before we move on. He Well, he had already won 10 straight title fights because he had defended the title nine times and he had won it, so it's 10 straight title fights. That put him in the company of Jose Aldo, John Jones, GSP, Anderson Silva. I think Fedor won like seven in a row because he never defended his damn championship. But between the Whamma championship and the Pride championship, it was like seven. Where do you rank him all time among that, that group of people? Because... To me, like the thing is, he didn't take a break like GSP did. He didn't have the trouble like John Jones did. Uh, the Jose Aldo thing, I, there's nothing really you can say. He, it was hard for him to stay in the cage, but I mean, he he defended his title all those times. Now Anderson Silva, he was he would probably be one up, but Travis Luter missed weight. He took a bunch of fights at light heavyweight. But oh, where do you rank him? I'll, I'll say probably two or three. Mighty Mouse at two or three. I will always say Anderson Silva uh, will be my number one. Um, GSP is number one. Uh, so even if you have those two guys, one and one A, Demetrius, I, th- I still think is number two right now. Um, it's it's tough, man. Like the, the, that Mount Rushmore right there is is ridiculous. I mean, John Jones. You know, if it didn't have all, all those troubles, we'd, we'd be saying other things likely right now. You know, if John Jones didn't go through all that stupidity that he's gone through, this guy could be the one up there right now. I mean, it's it, it's so tough to say, but Muddy Mouse is just unbelievable. The guy is just fantastic, and you know, un- unfortunately, the only guy that's going to beat him, in my opinion, is Father Time. Uh, it's, it's, we just going to have to sit there and watch for Demetrius to get old. And once he gets old, you know, if he doesn't walk away from the sport, once he gets old, eventually everybody gets old. It's, that's just a fact. Uh, it's going to happen. So we'll see what happens with that. But right now it's, it's, it's so tough to say, Sean, I I don't know where I, I, two, maybe two, a it's with those guys, um, Aldo, I don't know. Aldo, because uh, I I hearken back to that Mark Hominick fight. 
where, yes, he defeated Mark Hominick. He emerged victorious, and Mark had that big thing, you know, that 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 <laughs> hematoma coming out of his head. But my goodness, yeah. if that thing went another minute, Mark Hominick could have been the champion. I know I know it's a what if. It's a big what if. Anything could happen sure. in a fight. But, you know, Jose Aldo, I don't think, is just there uh, in comparison to the, to the four names uh, other than that. So it, it's tough to say. But, I mean, where do you put him? I I would say I'd put him at two right behind Anderson Silva at this point. And and maybe like 2A, 2B with the GSP thing. And a lot of it's going to depend on what GSP does this summer. Because if he wins, even if it's over Bisping, if he comes back and he wins a title, a weight class up. And that's that's pretty special. So, And be yeah, three years off. Yeah. Oh, right, well, so that's pretty much four by the so. time he gets back in the cage. And if they, especially if it goes to September, if that fight doesn't happen in July and it goes to September, it's going to be a long time. But moving on to that co-main I, event, sorry, go ahead. I just want to say your boy nailed it with like the the top five fights on this show. It literally played out the way that I said it was going to play out the whole show. Hey, do you do you ever visit Fightful MMA dot com? I, I do. I, I write for them actually, as do you. If, you. if you ever get a chance to go to this fantastic website, I, I did post my fun bets for uh, for this event. You may want to scroll through and see how much money you could have potentially made if you drop some coin on there. But I digress. Because the co-main event, Rose Nama Yunus, thug would be the understatement. You talk about someone that didn't give a rat's ass about her opponent's face, body, limbs. Rose Nama Yunus put a hurting on Michelle Watterson, who's game, who was definitely game, but my God, Rostama Yunus is just a mercenary, unreal performance in my opinion. I never personally saw a lot of what a lot of people saw in Michelle Watterson. Now, I'm not taking away from her abilities or anything, but Jessica Panay was her biggest win, and that was at 105 pounds. This is a 105-pound fighter facing a woman who would do well if there was a 125-pound division. And this is what I said I thought was going to be the X factor. Rose Namajunas is really rangy. I don't know anywhere that she wasn't like a lot – where she wasn't better than Michelle Watterson. And I would say that in the striking department as well because of that range. That range, in my opinion, makes her more useful as a striker. I really compare her to – she's like the Donald Cerrone of this division. She has a very comparable skill set. Like, there's no place that that uh, Rose Namajunas is completely just out of her element. But there, there are things that you can see that she does really, really well. She has that range. Uh, she has just that that heart in her, and she'll take on anybody too. She's not even had ten fights, and she's taken on like everybody in the division. And she's probably getting a title shot now. I can't believe Watterson stayed awake after that head kick, Joe. Oh, my God. Yeah. That was brutal. It went under the arm. Under The shin came up under the arm and clocked her at an angle that you're not, you're not really supposed to take those types of punches from, from, from a shin. Or, sorry, take those types of strikes from a shin. Like that, was, that was just insane, the way she pulled it off. And I, I like the way she explained it afterwards, Sean, where she said that, you know, my right hand was, re- was there, just wasn't reaching, and I saw the way she was turning. I'm throwing that right kick. So good on Rose for that. But go ahead. And the look on uh, Watterson's face during that choke is that's going to live in my nightmares forever. The blood she looked like she was nose. dying. She fought it though. Give it to her, man. She fought it. She fought it. Sure. It wasn't like Rick Story and, and Damian Maya where that squeeze just all that blood or whatever. Yeah. That, but but Rose did a fantastic job locking it in. Um, I, I wouldn't say she was. You know, the next fight we're going to talk about was a cerebral fighter. I don't know if Rose was cerebral in this fight because she was just like, I'm going to hurt this girl and I'm going to make her pay. Yeah, I'm going to make her pay for daring to sign that contract and agreeing to fight me and you getting all this hype and I got to sit in the background while you're getting all these cameras in front of you. I'm going to make you pay for thinking you could actually be in here with me. And that's what that performance looked like to me. I mean, you look at Rose Namajunas' resume now. Michelle Watterson, who had the hype train behind her. Tisha Torres, who a lot of people thought was going to win that title to begin with. Like, they thought she was going to win the tournament. Paige Van Zant, she derailed that hype train. Uh, Angela Hill, who ended up being a lot better than we thought. 
she went to a split decision with Carolina and got got a bonus in that fight too. Like this is a woman who competed for a UFC title with three pro fights under her belt. Three actual pro fights if you don't include those exhibition fights. But in those exhibition fights, she submitted Joanne Calderwood. Like that, that you can't even, you can't understate that. Cause it's not like, oh, well, it's your little two round decision. No, she didn't do the little two round decisions on tough. She went in there and she beat people's asses and tapped them out. That's what she did. She got in and she got out. So, like, you know that she was better than those women, than, than Randa Marcos, Joanne Calderwood, a- Alex Chambers. And, you know, 2014 just wasn't her time. And I don't know if beating Joanna, I don't know if facing Joanna, if that would be her time either. But that's a, that's a big, big, big women's strawweight fight. If if Joanna can win next month, that I would say that's probably the biggest women's strawweight fight they've ever done. See, now you got me thinking because I'm, I'm, I'm personally not sure Rose is just not there yet. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Almost there, but not there. You know, you, you lost to KK. Right, mm-hmm. like there's a bit more that you need to do to get in there with Johanna and stand and bang with her. Now, if you take her down, different story. But Johanna is merciless as well. Uh, I but think who if else? You give- who else? Gedalia, Carolina, and Andrade's yeah. up next, and then then Rose is yeah. ranked number four. Rose may jump up past Andrade in the rankings this week. That's a good point. Very good point. Yeah, it's um, well. I don't want to talk about the rankings gimmick, but uh, it is what it <laughs> we'll is. We'll talk about uh, them later. Yeah, we will. Uh, all you guys in the chat, you're making me laugh, except for Vinny. Vinny Fernando saying, telling me Washington is on the power. I can't, dude. I can't. I can't talk about the Leafs. I didn't watch one minute of that hey, Leafs game. I'm, I'm stressed you, out. How about some good Canadians? How about our new Fightful MMA Monday co-host? Are we allowed to talk about that? Jimmy says we are. I ran an article on it today. All right, then. So starting on Monday, ladies and gentlemen, my Monday co-host will be none other than the Predator, Patrick Cote. Uh, Hell yeah. Graham Williams, if you are watching right now, uh, I need a graphic, son, of the Predator, (laughs) Patrick Cote. I still need one of of Sean Ross Sapp because I'd like to promote some stuff via my Instagram as well. But, uh, yeah, Patrick Cote uh, will be joining me on Monday. Uh, But... It won't be consecutive weeks, unfortunately, because the boy has to go on vacation with the family. He retired. He's not leaving until the 23rd, so he will honor our presence on Monday, uh, take one week off. He's already slacking with Fightful MMA, and then he'll come back, and he'll be my host on Monday. So, uh, guys, make sure you join me on Monday. It should be at 10 a.m. Eastern with Patrick Cote. Uh, Get your thoughts together. Get your questions together. Obviously, we have... So many things to ask Patrick uh, in terms Boy, of his Boy, am I glad to not be in that AM time slot anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know what? You stepped up for me a lot. I appreciate it. Uh, for those yeah. that don't know, I like getting my podcast early so we can get some news out there into the mixed martial arts world. Sean Rossat basically goes to sleep two hours before the podcast goes live at 10 a.m. So, yeah. uh, But he has stepped up on numerous occasions, especially the absolute hell week that he went through with WrestleMania and UFC 210. Uh, what did you call it? Ebola? Like, what did you get? Super AIDS. I had super AIDS. <laughs> terrible. Terrible. You can look through uh, anything if magic made it. Yeah, gorgeous George. Yeah, Cote's the man. You're right. He's my boy. Uh, and we're not going to talk about any Vegas stories. So don't even ask, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I've never been to Vegas with Cote. We've never hung out. Uh, we're good boys. Uh, anything you want to close off with with that co-main event with those ladies? Hell of a fight. Uh, that is the type of fight that you want on Fox. And that main event, too. Uh, you know, you're going to have a lot of people that are like, oh, well, this, that. You know, I had a lot of people when Machida fought that were like, you have to appreciate it. I don't have to appreciate that shit that Leoto Machida did when he fought. <laughs> I don't have to appreciate that. But I can appreciate what Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson did. Uh, there's a difference between cerebral, elusive, and boring. Leoto Machida was boring. Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson is cerebral and elusive and slick. And great. Yeah. Cerebral was a certain Robert Whitaker who was methodical, who was patient, who went in there with a game plan, stuck with the game plan, and versus Ronaldo Jacare Souza, 
arguably the best submission fighter in mixed martial arts today, survived the takedown, survived the onslaught on the ground, survived the grappling, stood up, and made that Brazilian pay. Now, what I want to say, ladies and gentlemen, is not that I've never been a believer in Robert Whitaker. I have been going back to the Ultimate Fighter show when he competed on the Ultimate Fighter show. I told a lot of people, this kid's amazing. He's going to win the show. Pay attention. Watch his UFC career. And I kind of went, uh. But then I, there's this guy that I know that I co-host a podcast with named Sean Ross Sapp. It's your and boy. All Sean, all Sean would do was say, basically, showdown. You need to understand this guy's the real deal at middleweight. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? He's good. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, you know what? Eventually, he's going to meet his match. And, you know, it's oh, now he's fighting Jacare. So guess what, Sapp? You know, your little hype train with Whitaker uh, is coming to an end fairly quickly. Holy crap, was I wrong. My goodness, did Robert Whitaker put on an absolutely beautiful, gorgeous performance. I I, I was I, I couldn't even when I was typing you on WhatsApp, letting you know my thoughts, I'm like, I gotta word this carefully because I don't want Sean to go nuts. But all I have to say, sir, is I bow down to your mixed martial arts knowledge when it comes to Robert Whitaker, your assessment and your analysis, because that dude is a bad beep. Well, I made no bones about it. Like, I was a fan of the Gerald Harris MMA game, and he was one of the first people I saw employ that. And I remember I asked him one time, I was like, why do you fight with one hand up here and the other one all the way down? And he was like, well, I'm a wrestler, but if somebody were to shoot in on me, I like to get that underhook real quick. And I noticed that Robert Whitaker, not only does he do that, but he is exceptional at it. I've seen very few people that are better at it than him. And uh, that was the perfect stance. It was the perfect game plan. It was the perfect way for Whitaker to execute the type of plan to beat Jacare Souza. Uh, Whitaker was on his game, and Jacare looked like really powerful early. And I thought that Jacare did a good job of avoiding strikes inside when he couldn't get the clinch and when Whitaker would pop in. But, I mean, there's there's a couple of other things to wonder. Jacare was dancing in his hotel room with a new piece of paper before this fight. I wonder how, like, where's his head at? And I thought, to be honest, I thought I saw the beginning of the end when Whitaker shucked Jacare off because that doesn't happen. That does not happen. I mean, he's he's the damn alligator or the crocodile or whatever the hell he calls himself. He latches onto you and he doesn't let go. But Robert Whitaker striking, his striking in particular was perfect because, I mean, Yoel Romero's didn't get it done. There have been a lot of fighters who who had excellent striking and just couldn't get it done against Jacare Souza. But it's Robert Whitaker's style because he was able to take those calculated risks and because he keeps one hand down, one hand up, he's able to get that underhook in quick. And he's able to come at you uh, from unpredictable angles where somebody up here like this, uh, for those of you who are, are listening, hands are both up. It's coming straight forward or from the side – when you got that hand down, like you can see everything, like sometimes Elias does it and he'll throw like just a random back fist, like no, no spin on it or anything really unpredictable and perfect for, uh, for Jacare. I saw a lot of people complaining about the stoppage. I didn't see anything wrong with the stoppage. I think it was a mercy. I think it was, I think it was merciful. He was, Jacare was not re- recovering from that in my opinion, but I want to know what you think. Yes, so the stoppage itself, uh, I understand the argument that some fans like should let it go on. Uh, I think the referee did make the right call. Like you said, it was, it was a merciful stoppage. It was one of those situations where the referee, remember the referee guys, uh, as much as, as, as and girls uh, that are tuning in, um, as much tons as of, we'd like to criticize girls. them. Yes, many. Um, we, we may want to criticize referees when we see certain things, but remember one extremely important aspect that people will always forget. The referee has the best view of the fighter better than any camera angle that you can possibly imagine because they can see things right then and there in front of them uh, and they can get a sense of where that fighter, what's happening with a certain fighter. I think the right call was made in stopping that fight because I don't think Jacare uh, was going to come back from that because what I noticed with Jacare, Sean, if you could ever picture 
a chalkboard with that those massive algebraic equations, like just like crazy, like A equals this equals that, blah, 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 greater than. It just gets bigger, 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 bigger. That's what it looked like Jacques Gray was going through after that scramble on the ground where he wasn't able to, 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 to latch on and keep Whitaker down there. As the fight got back to the feet, you could see it in his eyes. You could see this chalkboard sort of, like an equation going through his head, like, oh, oh God, what, what just happened here? Okay, if I do this, okay, I'm going to do this. And he did that, and all of a sudden, two other options are like, okay, maybe I should do this. No, you should do that. And then he tries one of them. as okay, now there's four options. There's Now there's eight. Now there's 16. Now there's 32. Now there's 64 options. And before you know it, down he goes. He's getting TKO'd because he started questioning himself and thinking, if I can't get, get this guy down on the ground, my striking is okay. It's not on Robert Robert Whitaker's level, and you could tell with Jacques Correct. Gray. If you pay attention, he was just like, "Oh shit, oh snap, Th- this is not getting better for me as this fight goes on." And it's, before you know it, fight's over. Yeah, and did you see Luke Rockhold saying that he wants to fight Whitaker now? Luke Rockhold. I just wanted to fight anybody. It's been a, it's been a yeah damn year. You know what? I, I'm confused. Okay, so this middleweight division is getting just ridiculous. I absolutely love this middleweight division right now. So you got obviously Musashi doing what he did last week, um, Whitaker doing what he just did tonight. Okay, we have GSP and Bisping at the top. Romero doesn't have an opponent. Musashi doesn't have an opponent. Rockhold doesn't have an opponent. Anderson's got. Who's Anderson fighting other than himself? I, I would against himself. I'd do Whitaker, Anderson, and like, Romero, Rockhold. I mean, that makes all the sense in the world to me. Whitaker Anderson Silva could it could be a boring fight, but it. I mean, I'm I'm interested to see how Whitaker does against a guy who he's not worried is going to take him down. Like he he's not gonna he's not gonna be concerned about Anderson Silva taking him down. Uh, he had to be worried about Derek Brunson taking him down. He had to be worried about Jacare taking him down. Also, you, you got to wonder how different would this division be had Michael Bisping not backed out of that fight against. Uh, Whitaker in in Australia, true. Because I think Whitaker would have beat him, and I think he would have beat him handily. It's man, it's Whitaker is a special special kind of talent. I, I can't remember what fight it was. I feel like it was the Colton Smith fight that I watched, and I was like, he's going to be good, but I don't know if he's going to be good at this weight, which because yeah, he couldn't use his speed as much at welterweight as he yeah. can at, at middleweight. So I mean, good for him. That that hey, and he's twenty six years old. That's that's their star in that Australian property now. He's the guy. You put it. Hey, you can you can do good with him and Dan Kelly now. You think? Oh yeah, I mean a one off show, do a big show there. Yeah, I would do it. Interesting. All right, uh, if, Jack A. Man, forget the title shot. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If Whitaker gets a title shot, I don't mean him versus Dan Kelly. I mean, like, one on main, one on the co-main, not against each other. God, no. Whitaker would beat the shit out of him. All right. Uh, nice name here, bud. Jack Asman. Uh, he, he wants to see Rockhold versus Weidman, too. I'd put that on. I'd, I want to see Weidman win a fist fight before he fights <laughs> the top guy in the division. That's what I want to see. He's lost three fights in a row. Oh, Chris no Weidman as Anderson Silva. No offense, Jack Anderson. <laughs> Do you agree with Anderson Silva that when he said that Chris Weidman's luck is running out? 
or has run out? Well, I mean, if you want to, you, you could say he's a very lucky man in the Silva fights. Mm-hmm. Was he a lucky man against Vitor or Machida? No. He beat nope, them. Nope, nope, nope. He beat those two yep. men. Beat them. No luck there. Hmm, interesting. Um, we talked at length about the pressure that was on Jeremy Stevens uh, in this event. Uh, he takes on Hinata Moicano, who probably put on a performance that you weren't overly impressed with. Uh, I don't agree with these judges' scorecards, 29-28, 28-29, 29-28, because I scored a 29-28 uh, for Hinato. Um, I thought he put on a good performance. It wasn't exactly... Spectacular! It wasn't Demetrius Muddy Mouse Johnson avoiding, you know, sticking and moving like you like. Uh, I get what Hinato was doing. He didn't want to be anywhere near the end of a punch of Jer- that Jeremy Stevens can throw. I get it. I understand it. Um, don't know what it does for his stock in the division, other than the fact that yeah, you beat the number five guy, so you're going to move up uh, in the rankings gimmick. But you tell me, what do you think? Well, let's first off talk about that. A guy who was two and four in his last six is ranked number five in that division. Oh, that screams plenty. <laughs> these are rankings These are rankings where Jessica I has lost four in a row and she's still ranked. Uh, that might not be the case, though, after the, the Vieira win, hopefully. But I, I didn't mind Moicano's uh, performance. He had to stay active because otherwise it looked like a matter of time before Jeremy Stevens clipped him. You know, there was the, the turning around and running away thing. That's never aesthetically pleasing, but the, they got to get rid of that center of center cage control stat. That is the most ridiculous bullshit I've ever seen. That stat is so useless and really misrepresentative of who was actually controlling the pace of the fight. Steven seemed to get a little stronger towards the end and started to gain momentum, but he'd be made to pay whenever he would like wade into the pocket. Uh, I just, I just don't think that Jeremy Stevens ranking is indicative of his level of fighting at this stage. I think it's a very generous ranking. And, I mean, uh, you know, Hanato was a big, big, big prospect a couple years ago. Yeah. Like, I forgot about him because he's only fought, like, once since the beginning of 2015 before tonight. So this was the type of fight that he needed to get put on the map. He was like, I don't know if maybe he was like, can't waste any more time, got to get to it. And he beat the number five guy in the world, and he's unranked. So that just shakes the whole thing up because he's – how do you have him anything less than the top 10 if you're if you're ranking? But here's the thing. You know he's not going to be above Jeremy Stevens in these rankings next week because he's unranked, so they'll have to push him up a bunch. And Jeremy Stevens will fall some, so it'll probably be like Moicano at 9, Stevens at 7 or 8, something weird like that because they're dumb. Because they're dumb. Also, Jeremy Stevens has more losses than anyone in UFC history. Suck on that one, viewers. Yeah, thirteen losses in the U season. Competing for ten years, though. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I get what you're saying. Um, well, it should be fourteen losses after what Conor McGregor said to him at the press conference. That should have counted. Who the, we need that as yeah. a button. We need that as a button during this podcast, where I could some way somehow click it whenever something's going on. Um, just summon it. Yeah, prelims. Uh, Alexander Volkov takes out Roy Nelson, who you believe may be going on a screw the UFC tour next? Yeah, I'd imagine he gets cut. He's probably making too much money. The blueprint was drawn up of Roy Nelson a long time ago. Hit him in the gut. I mean, there there were fools that bet on him over Stipe Miocic. I didn't see how he was beating Miocic back then, Uh, let alone – I mean – I really think that Roy Nelson is the most overrated heavyweight fighter of all time, and he just might be the most overrated fighter of all time in general. If he was just some dude, if he didn't, if he wasn't, let's be quite honest, if he wasn't a big fat dude, would he have any fanfare? Uh, I'd say no, but that's you know that was his gimmick, which is sort of disturbing. But of course. He- he hoard he, Facebook likes. He hoard them, and I mean, he really <laughs> hoard them. And he told his fans, "If you get me to a hundred thousand likes, which is incredibly crucial for like when you sell your social media, like he did, I'll drop to two hundred and five pounds." And he didn't do it. And he he was a little bit smaller for a little while. Then he said, "Ah, forget it. 
I don't know. And I thought that saying that this was the biggest win of Volkov's career is a slap to the face of Blagoe Ivanov, who was worlds better as a fighter than Roy Nelson ever dreamed of. You know how many top 10 fighters Roy Nelson's beaten his career, Joe? I'm going to go with uh, what is zero, Alex, for 500. That would be that would be correct. That would be correct. Zero. The uh, biggest uh, win of his career was against a number 11 ranked at the time, Noguera, who was on his way out. Not impressed with Roy Nelson. I am impressed with Volkov. I liked how he turned up the heat at the end of the first round. And then he just decided to teep Roy Nelson's balls off for three rounds. That was pretty cool. Pretty much. I mean, Brandon Hughes wants to see Roy Nelson versus Rampage. Uh, and Ole Sammy Ole says Roy Nelson could be a Bellator heavyweight champion. Mm-hmm. No, he can't. No, he can't. <laughs> he can't be. Uh, who, who else is a Bellator? <laughs> if Minikov decides to fight him, no. Um, let's see. who else? Rampage. If Rampage wanted to fight a heavyweight, Rampage, I think, beats him. Um, who else is at heavyweight? King Mo probably beats him. King Mo probably finds a way to beat him at heavyweight. Who else? They got? Oh, uh, Justin Wren. He beats the brakes off of Roy Nelson tomorrow. Waking up from a nap. Roy, Justin Wren would fly to Africa, help all those kids get clean water, get a red eye back to the States, and beat Roy Nelson's ass tomorrow. Yeah, he ain't winning that heavyweight title. And you still got Mitrione and Fedor there. Mitrione beats him. Fedor, Fedor probably beats him. Bobby Lashley ain't beating him. I think that's the biggest fight, Fedor versus Roy Nelson, If you know, after the Mitrione fight, if he goes to Bellator. Yeah. I mean, we're assuming he's going to Bellator, right? That would be a huge yeah, draw for Bellator. I mean, he could go to Ryzen, I guess. He could probably beat Czech Congo. Maybe. Augusto Sakai probably beats him. There's a lot of guys, I think, that beat him. Wait a second. Did Roy and Matt fight? I'm drawing a blank here. Can't remember. I'm just going to check. He's not on 5,000 if they fight. <laughs> that's just the one man in Bellator with worse cardio than him. Uh, that's terrible. Um, yeah, uh, Mitrione lost to beat, Nelson in 2012. by TKO. Oh, that so was the could, ultimate fighter. Yeah. You could run that one back. You could run that one back. Interesting. Um, back to the previous for a moment. Um, Tom de Kez Noir, okay, uh, yeah. here in Canada, Noir is N-O-I. Uh, so all of us have been saying Tom de Kesney or de Kesnoy, but it's Tom de Kez Noir <laughs> takes on Patrick Williams, who at around the four-minute mark of the first round was fatigued. Like he leaned over his hands on his knees. I don't understand. I mean, did he take this fight on short notice? Did I miss the memo on that? I don't think he I'll did. Have to look, not the look, because I'm confused as how a guy, especially at 135 pounds, can be exhausted like that. Something is amiss here. Something is weird because you could go superficial and say, or on the surface and say, "Man, I didn't really train for this fight," or you could say he took it on short notice. That that was that was just crazy, um, you know. And then Tommy Boy did what he had to do. Lands a couple. Lands at a vicious elbow at the end of the first round. That doesn't help your cause whatsoever. And then he, uh, you know, finishes him off in the second round. So good on him. But I am not rating this performance uh, other than what we saw. You know, you can. I, I'm not on that hype train just yet. Uh, I'm not on the bandwagon of Tom Duquesnoy just yet. Well, he seems to have his head on his shoulders, right? Because I mean, they wanted him to be like their Sage Northcut like four years ago, and, yeah, he, and he said, said no. He said no. I want to yeah. take some more time. And this is the type of fight. You want, if you're a guy like that, you, you overcome adversity, you weather an early storm, you get tested really quick, really early, and then the guy fades and you elbow him into unconsciousness. I don't think William should have been allowed to go out for the second round. I think that he should have, that his corner should have been responsible and been like, nah, bro, you're good after that first round. After his hands were on his knees with a minute left, and then he got blasted to end the round. I think they should have just not let him come back out, uh, but they did. But, you know, this good win for, for I'll say Tom. Good win for Tom. Tommy Boy? Yeah. Good win for Live Tommy chat's on Boy. fire, by the way. Have you seen the live chat? They've got all kinds of fights going on here. Roy Nelson versus TJ Dillashaw. <laughs> I didn't reply yet. Dillashaw, Dillashaw beats, him. beats him. Easily. 
<laughs> I, got, I, I think I saw one. Let me let me scroll up there. Roy Nelson versus Brock Lesnar. No testing and no weigh-ins. Oh my gosh! Don't be ridiculous. Brock wins that fight easy. Easy. <laughs> oh man, that was hilarious. Uh, Jack Dillashaw would bite. Dillashaw would bite Roy Nelson. He's a snake in the grass. He's got the venom. Oh, oh, oh! All right. Uh, you want to talk Magomedov Green, or you want to move down to Tim Elliott and Louis Smolka? Sure. I, I just wanted to say uh, Mario Yamasaki does not know the rules of MMA where he was <laughs> where he was doing things. Green kept getting caught coming in, and this was <laughs> Magomedov's performance. I would compare it to like putting dinner in the crock pot. It warms up, it simmers, and, and it looks like Magomedov. Yeah, Magomedov was getting caught up in his own patterns in the first two rounds, and lots of fouls in this fight, lots of ball shots, lots of punches and kicks to the wiener. Uh, I think Bobby Bobby Green could be long gone. He hasn't won a fight in three years, and really the only other note I have is you don't see a lot of Superman punches land in the UFC today, but uh, Magomedov got a nice one uh, at the end of the fight. I was impressed. I thought he did good. Uh, I like your crockpot analogy. Uh, I didn't like the fact that 10 seconds left in the fight, uh, he's got all this energy, right? Yeah. I get it. Uh, I, I think Bobby Green will get one more chance. I think he will. I think he'll get one more chance. Um, he's still a good fighter. Uh, just came off that layoff and fought a dude that's just He fought on fire. Dan okay. Lozon at Affliction, Day of Reckoning. Gotcha. Seems gotcha. like, seems like uh, a, a lifetime ago. I just remember Bobby Green like being a last-minute replacement on that card because I was super stoked to watch that Affliction card. And I remember uh, his style of fighting was called hood fighting. And he gave, he gave Dan Lozon a little fight, but Lozon put him away. But, yeah, I'll never forget that. And that was like, gosh, almost eight and a half years ago now, Bobby Green took that fight on short notice. And it's crazy to see him like here today, but dropped three in a row. Now, granted – those first two, Poirier and Barboza, those are those are tough outs. Tough dudes. Yeah. Tough ones. Yeah. Tough Funny outs. affliction stat. Funny affliction stat. Uh, when I was at the UFC event in Buffalo last weekend, uh, I counted four affliction shirts amongst the crowd. There really? That is about if, – if this were 2009, you would have counted at least – 4,000. 4,000 more, yeah. I cannot – express to you what it used to be like in Las Vegas covering the UFC events uh, pretty much anywhere but Las Vegas walking around the MGM Grand and just seeing I can't even tell you a sea thousands of affliction oh, yeah. shirts everywhere you would turn hey, it would I'll say this they were really shirt. soft they were really soft really lightweight quality material quality material and then you know what was the one before them Ed Hardy that's it. Ed Hardy. Oh, yeah. Then affliction. Well, they, they took the template. They took the template from Ed Hardy. And now, you, yeah. here's, here's one that's going to surprise you. You know what's on the come up? Tell me. American, American fighter. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. They, they, I see it all the time, man. I see it all the time. And I'm, no offense to those of you who, who are watching the live chat that might wear American fighter now. I mean, they made my favorite rash guards ever, American fighter did, back when they had the American Pie like mock logo, but now they had they completely rebranded and it's just it's that style like those people who used to wear the Affliction shirts. Uh, the American Fighter is the new thing. Like you walk into a mall like Buckle and they're all over the wall. It ain't my thing. No, it's not my I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. Mentally speaking, like I, I, everyone knows me pretty much as being very politically correct and you know i don't I, I don't judge anyone but i will say this when i saw those affliction shirts on some of the dudes walking around the uh, the, the key bank arena or key bank center in buffalo i the, the first thing that went through my head i looked at these guys i'm like what's wrong with you guys like what is you're wearing an affliction shirt like dude that is just no you, you don't do that like it's done it's over with like what are you trying to prove by wearing an affliction shirt right now i don't get it take a look at this american fighter stuff and you'll see what i mean this is like their new style. This is just what they do now. And it's big among those bar crowds. But if it said like anything but fighter on it, I don't think it would be. That's just weird. Sorry. 
Hey. So that's big down there. All right. I got my Nick and Nate Diaz. I got my Nick Diaz shirt on. I wonder Black if, if Rich Franklin still has to that. I hope he does, at least. Sure. It would be great to get that uh, get money after all the money you put in there. So, yeah, why not? Yeah. Uh, I don't Tim- know. I don't know if he does. I know Hamill used to be big into it, but who knows? For sure. Timothy Elliott. Lewis Mocha. Dude, I, I was tired watching that fight. I needed I needed water after watching those guys fight for 15 minutes. This is the type of fight that if somebody just happens to watch MMA for the first time on Fox and they see this, they fall in love with grappling. And they show up at a grappling class on Monday. That's what this fight is. This is just fun. Like you look at that and people are like, "Damn, that looks like fun." Like Tim Timothy Elliott cradling Smoka at the end of the round, like just goofing around. Tim Elliott went for arm and rear naked choke, which is the absolute most Tim Elliott thing you could possibly do. Uh, this is just – it's hard to break it down because there were so many transitions and it was so fast-paced and all that stuff. Luis Mocha, unfortunately, three fights in a row, might be gone. It's that karma hitting you. But this fight makes me really happy because, like I said, this is the type of fight where Monday at our – catches catch can wrestling class somebody might come in and say well i saw these two guys on fox the other day oh boy so gotcha no makes full sense now you know you've done play by play before try calling a tim elliott fight because i've called a whack i've called a whack when he could when he was a titan fc champ uh it's the matrix man the guy's just fantastic i there were times me and kamara usman were just like let him do it. When he's done doing what he's doing, we'll try and explain it, right? And I had the producer in my ear, which replay do you want? What replay? Tell us what replay do you <laughs> want. I'm like, play the whole round over. Like, I mean, the guy's ridiculous, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's just such an amazing fighter. He does so many things so fast. He called his performance. He, he, he thought his performance versus Money Mouse, uh, he called it a turd of a performance. I mean, I thought it was fantastic, but he obviously wasn't happy with it at all. Like, I mean... How critical are you of yourself? My goodness, man. Like, like Timothy was fantastic, but, you know, I, I found it strange. And I thought he was going to get that finish versus Smoko, to be honest with you. Uh, I didn't think this one was going to go 15 minutes. I'm not surprised because it, it's 125. Anything can happen unless your name is Demetrius Johnson. But, yeah, I thought, I thought Tim did a fantastic job. 327, you know, did, did good. But Smoka, I think uh, I think we've seen the last of Lewis Smoka in the octagon, man. Yeah, I think so too. And the comments that he made last year didn't do him any favors, especially with the crowd. But man, the crowd loved Tim Elliott. He, he was like, he looked like a star. He looked like oh, a he's, star he's there. Big time, man. When we had the show at the, uh, oh God, what was it called? The Scots Masonic Temple or Scott Tra- or something Scots Masonic Temple. That place was ruckus, man. They were they were going crazy for Timothy Elliott, man. So yeah, he's well loved out there. In terms of the prelims on this card, there were five of them. Five? One, two, three, four, five. Can I count? Yeah, five. Uh, of which I saw none because I was um, at a kid's birthday party, Sean, trying to ensure my son, who first went to the birthday party and said, "I don't want to go to a girl's birthday party." I'm like, "It's a play place. They're gonna have cake." He's like, "Cake." I'm like, yes, they're going to have lots of icing on the cake, and you get to run around. And I'm like, this is a three-hour party, a three-hour kids' party. You're going to get my six-year-old exhausted? I'm going. I'm sorry, UFC Fight Pass prelims. I'm going, and I'm going to sit back there with a coffee, and I'm going to watch my son go absolutely insane for three hours, of which he did. And he was exhausted until we got home, Sean. This, this, is, my, like, this is my blood, okay? I turned the TV on. UFC comes on. This kid went from wanting to nap in the truck on the way home to like, oh, UFC's on. I'm not going to sleep. And I'm like, okay, well, he stayed up. <laughs> he stayed up all the way until about two minutes into Demetrius Johnson fight. I was like, I'm impressed. My six-year-old loves the UFC. I'm impressed. But That's apologies cool. to – yeah, apologies to everyone tuning in right now, uh, watching and listening later on. Uh, I did not have a chance to watch those five fights, and I will let Sean Rossap give us a quick little rundown of what went down uh, on the fight pass prelims. Uh, Aljamain Sterling, Augusto Mendez, this was a big one for Sterling. He had emotional after he won this fight, actually, via decision, because he dropped two in a row. And this was a guy who highly touted prospect a few years ago, and you heard all the, the raw talent and can he put it together. When you're 28 years old, uh, you're past the time to put it all together and to be raw. 
And I thought I felt like he did put it together in this fight. And Augusto Mendez was a really good test, particularly on the ground. I felt a little bad for Aljamain because they were over time on fight pass, so he didn't get to be interviewed in the ring, and he was crying. He was emotional because, you know, his back was against the wall. Good win for him uh, against an unranked opponent. Devin Clark over Jake Collier. Devin Clark, uh, there's not a lot to say about this except for Devin Clark's gas tank at light heavyweight. That's something to, to pay attention to. He had a really, really good gas tank for 205 pounds, so uh, pay attention to that. Anthony Smith with a big comeback win over Andrew Sanchez. That was an ugly-ass fight, and Anthony Smith threw a head kick and actually caught Sanchez with the knee. Uh, If not for Whitaker, that probably would have won KO of the night, but uh, he may be without a bonus, which is crazy to think. This whole show is really good. Zach Cummings over Nathan Coy. My thing was Nathan Coy showed up with a 2007-2008 MMA game plan for a 2017 fight. He is an exceptional wrestler whose striking just wasn't there, and he got tapped out. First-round guillotine, uh, Zach Cummings, who also looked like a star in Kansas City. The crowd went absolutely nuts for him. That was an amazing assessment, by the way. A 2007 or 2008 game plan for a 2017 fight. Sean Ross Sapp? Yeah, it was just, it was a lot of waiting, and the head movement was there, and the wild punches were there. But then when he couldn't land the shot, it's like, oh, well, what do I do now? Well, you go and you learn how to do fucking MMA. That's what you do. <laughs> and I know he's a fantastic fighter, he really is. But, I mean, the dude, he'll be 39 this year. And uh, he's beaten some real – I mean, he beat Paul Bradley. He beat Diego Lima, not not the really good one. But uh, he early on in his career, he beat Rick Story. I mean, this is a guy who – I remember, I think he won – I think I feel like he won a title in MFC too. But for whatever reason, in this fight, he didn't – put that together he brought an old he brought a decade old game plan and he's better than that now i know that he often relies on his wrestling he's not a big knockout guy he's not a big submission guy really uh but you know if he fights once a year and it doesn't seem like his game has evolved or adapted to uh to 2017 also uh caitlin vieira defeated (laughs) ashley evan smith because that women's division's got to be messed up a little bit. And Evan Smith is ranked. Vieira isn't. She should be, though. Uh, hopefully they get the hell, get Jessica I the hell out of those rankings now because she's still ranked number 15 and she's lost like four fights in a row. But, man, to be honest with you, uh, the whole show was good. People are asking who's next for Funkmaster. I mean, that's hard to say. Uh, yeah, in that division, good. it's wide open it's for easy. him. Yeah. It's wide open. Thomas Almeida, he needed fun. Ooh, ooh! Thomas Almeida probably not beats for him. him. Yeah, that would not be fun for Funkmaster. Alju would not like that fight. He'll take it, but ooh. yeah, of course he would. Yeah, interesting. I bet you're excited for next week's UFC. Jesus, I mean that main event. So, that main event. That that's gonna the, the draw for that. It's gonna be massive. Oh my god! So <laughs> I'll pull back the curtain a little bit. I got a little salty at the UFC. Before we got oh, approved shit. for credentials for UFC 210, we had applied for Nashville, and they're like, oh, we're over our media limit. I'm like, the bullshit you are. I'm like, nobody's coming to this. Cub Swanson's mom won't come to this. <laughs> like, nobody's coming to this show. So I was like, you know what? Because, And to be honest with you, I didn't want to cover it live. <laughs> I didn't. I wanted to turn it into a, a mini vacation for me and my wife in Nashville because Nashville rules. It's a great city. Maybe one of my favorite. I know, I've never been. I've been told a million times to get down to Nashville. I've never been. Oh, it's wonderful. I'd like to take her to, to New Orleans too. But like, you know, I don't drink. So, you know, I don't do a whole lot of the nightlife stuff. I was there for Strike Force Nashville, one of the worst shows of all time. Worst outside of Mayhem Miller going crazy in the cage. Well, not him. Everybody else going crazy. He was when Mayhem Miller's the tame one in the situation, you know shit is wild. <laughs> But um, I'll never forget, I went there with my catch, some guys on my catch wrestling team, and I was on no sleep from the night before. And the nightlife in Nashville is unlike any other just because of the music. 
and I'll never forget my catch wrestling coach, Joe. <laughs> he was a big Aoki fan. And, and he was bummed about Aoki losing. Not only losing, having a turd performance. And we're walking by some drunk dude on the street. And keep in mind, my catch coach is bummed. And this drunk guy is just randomly talking to somebody and goes, Yeah, Aoki, he's a fuck. Uh-oh. And my coach just looks around. He's like, hey, you know what he is? <laughs> he is. <laughs> he was so depressed he couldn't take it anymore. He, could. he was like, you know what? After that, he is. But yeah, uh, this show next week, mm, let's, let's, let's look down at it real quick. We got Swanson Labov. I can't believe that the UFC had the balls to put Artem Labov in that fight. I can't believe it. But other than that, you look up and down the show, it, it ain't bad. Uh, Alexis Davis, Cindy Dandois, Brian Barberina, he's going to beat whoever he fights because he's great. Jessica Panay's on the show. Uh, Dustin Ortiz and Moreno, that's a good one. Leitez and Sam Alvey. Sam Alvey fights every week. Ellenberger, Mike Perry is going to be fun. Lozon, Stevie Ray. Unfortunately, it's not Stevie Ray of Harlem Heat. Uh, it's a different Stevie Ray. Uh, John Dodson, Eddie Wineland. Uh, if if Wineland can figure out some magic trick to beat Dodson, that's who I'd put Sterling up against next. Uh, Ovent St. Preux, uh, Rogerio de Lima, Ally Quinta, Diego Sanchez. So there aren't a lot of names that are like, watch me, watch me, watch me, like to casual fans. But if a casual fan stumbles upon this show, they're probably going to be really happy. Artem Loboff, main event, yeah. UFC. Yeah, he is 13-12-1-1. You know, he had that, that career-making win over Chris Avila. You know, Chris Avila, who is one of the – you know what – CM Punk might beat Chris Avila. And I'm not joking. I might pick CM Punk over Chris Avila. That's how terrible Chris Avila is. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm still trying to find out or figure out why. What, what, this main event. <laughs> Come I, on. You know why. Don't ask why. You know they don't why. like him that much. They, they want to make Conor McGregor pay. Is this this what it is? No, this is a favor like, to Conor McGregor. This is his buddy Artem Labov. Somebody asked CM Labov. Labov would knock Punk out. I, I, he would. I mean, unfortunately, he would. Uh, yeah. CM Punk might be able to leg kick his way to a win over anybody who knows how to throw a leg kick. Might be able to throw beat Chris Avila via leg kicks, though. I don't understand the logic. I don't get it. Hey, guys, by the way, I want to plug this before we go. Of course, uh, Monday, Patrick Cote. Tuesday, Elias Theodoru. Wednesday, Sean Pearson. Thursday, Frank Trigg. Friday, me. If you haven't checked out the podcast network before, do it. There's a little bit of of something for everybody. And, of course, on the wrestling end, we have post-Raw, post-Smackdown. We have the eccentric millionaire Jimmy Van on Wednesdays. Uh, Matt Riddle, Thursdays. Shane Helms, Fridays. We have a pretty happening podcast network and a new boxing podcast as well. We got a lot of stuff going on, Joe. Apparently, it's a good site. It's a hell of a site. We did our best traffic. We did our best traffic ever this week. Oh, because of all my UFC 210 commentary. I don't know about all that. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, make sure you give us a follow at Fightful MMA. as I have friend, one friend, chat, everyone tuning in today, just please tell one friend that you enjoy the site, that they should come join us on the podcast, come give us your thoughts uh, whenever we do this live. Uh, I am on five days a week uh, with, as you mentioned, exceptional guests, sometimes six days a week uh, after usually a big pay-per-view uh, or a big Fox card. Uh, we have a good time on this show. We always try to interact with the fans. Make sure you follow him at Sean Ross Sapp. Follow yours truly at Showdown Joe, uh, at Fightful MMA. Visit FightfulMMA.com for all of your mixed martial arts news. The boys and girls do a fantastic job on that site. Mr. Sapp, before we let you go, you have the final floor before I say goodbye. 
Guys, thank you all so much for visiting the site. I know we're new. I know we're we're still adapting. We're still doing all that stuff. But uh, pretty soon, they won't be able to avoid us, Joe. They just won't be able to. In time. In time. I think we proved at UC 210 what we're capable of. And uh, But... Yeah. Also, yeah. also, guys, please uh, head over to our iTunes page or our Stitcher page. Leave us a good review. That stuff really helps. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, leave us a thumbs up. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM. Like, there's a bunch of different stuff. Sorry, Sean. I'm looking behind me uh, at the UFC stuff there. Something must have happened. Did we talk trash about Brock on the show? Did we talk trash no, we about Brock? we actually complimented him. We- we complimented him because here I'll, I'll I'll move my screen up because for the for the people that are tuning in right now up there are all my UFC passes uh, not all of them but there's some and there's the Brock Lesnar one right I don't know if my finger can show it or if you can see it it just I heard something slip behind me and a Brock Lesnar Shane Carwin pass just fell uh oh hey that was the that was my favorite I think my favorite MMA event ever that was a fantastic one, event one sixteen because my boy Gerald Harris hit the big slam you had that. Stefan Bonner, Christoph Szczynski, and I think Stefan Bonner got it where a lot of people didn't, doing the pose into the, the camera and all that stuff. And then, of course, Lieben, Akiyama. That was special. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. that's how you – first off, that's how you go and you take a round off the back. Even before he tapped him out, that was unbelievable. And then, of course, Carwin Lesnar. Unbelievable show that was. Absolutely. John, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. As Vinny Fernando has the last comment on the chat, he says, Joe, the Leaf game is still on. Have fun. Second overtime. Uh, I will spend the rest of my evening likely vomiting uh, in some sort of trash can from the bathroom that I'll bring next to the couch. Uh, To all of you who have tuned in live, thank you very much. To all of you in the live chat, we thank you as well. Those tuning in afterwards on iTunes uh, and on Stitcher, we thank you. Don't forget, guys. Patrick Cote, the Predator, will make his Fightful MMA debut on the podcast this Monday with yours truly at 10 a.m. Eastern. Sean Rossack will no longer have to wake up that early, except for the following Monday, because Cote will be somewhere oh, uh, with the vacation. We'll figure it out. Uh, guys, thank you very much. As I always say at the end of every podcast, ciao for now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.